Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Isaiah knew that God had spoken to his heart. Matter of fact, in Isaiah 49, it says, Listen, O ye lands, and take heed, you people from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb, from the matrix are the inward parts of my mother. He has made them of my name. He has made known my name. Verse 5 of chapter 49, And now the Lord says, Who formed me from the womb to be his servant. Uh, Isaiah, we, we use Jeremiah a lot, and Nathan, our co-host, Jeremiah knew that right well as, yeah. as too, didn't yeah. he? Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, God used this in my life in, in calling me to serve him and uh, verse 4 of Jeremiah chapter 1 says, The word of the Lord came to me. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Well, when, uh, today, if you haven't already uh, figured it out, we're talking about children uh, that are unborn and their lives being important, and then the women who are in an, a pregnancy that they call a crisis pregnancy, and they're debating getting out or keeping that child. Uh, we want to speak to you and those ladies who have had an abortion and the guilt that comes with that many times, the relief that's in Christ Jesus. So in that, we have two guests, and it is Danette Becker and Ann Reed. Uh, they've been on our program before, and uh, this is the second program in this sequence that we wanted you to hear, and and Danette is here. She's active in a local pregnancy center, and Ann is as well, as well as an employee here at American Family Association. But we appreciate you ladies being here. And, Thank you and for I'm having just, you. I, I, Danette, I know you had a scripture that we wanted to start it off. We saturate this, this program in missions in scripture because uh, the Bible's a missional book, and uh, it's the basis of everything we do. Would you share your passage with us? Well, the basis for what I do is found in Psalms 127.3. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. Amen. Anne? <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to read a passage from Ephesians 5. Uh, and in, in context, this is talking about um, do not— let yourselves be deceived. And that definitely is an issue in our society when we, you know, hear the mainstream media and hear a lot of the talking points, um, especially when it comes to uh, the issue of abortion. So it's talking about um, walking in the light, uh, not walking in the darkness and not allowing ourselves to be deceived. Um, and in verse 12, chapter 5, verse 12 of Ephesians, it says, it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. 
So often when we read that verse, I think the majority of the times that verse is read, we think about exposing sin outside of ourselves. But for me, um, I think I really first read this when I was going through post-abortion healing, and I realized that that my past sin of abortion, that when I allowed it to be exposed, then it allowed God to be able to take that sin and shine his light on it and turn the darkness into light. Amen. <laughs> yeah, you're giving the description of, of the biblical word confession, you know, to agree with God about about my sin or about my circumstance, about my issues. Amen. And uh, confessing is, uh, you know, we do that between my, ourselves and God uh, first, but then also the people that are involved that we've hurt uh, or are hurting because of our choices, we confess to one another. Um, and then that passage goes on to talk about how God brings healing Amen. And, and cleansing from that. Um, so exactly what you're talking about. Amen. Amazing. God is good. Yeah, he <laughs> is. In the book of James, it talks about if any is sick or among you, call the elders, anointing them with oil, laying hands, that the prayer, you know, for yeah. the sick, they'd yeah. be healed. But if you look back before that, there's a lot of healing that takes place because it says confessing your faults one to another. I'm reminded of what is known as the Shantung Revival over in China, and they were there was a school there, and there were more teachers than there were students, and they knew they needed to do something. And uh, there's this lady, Mrs. Culpepper, who was the wife of the leader of the school. She was sick and was going to have to come home, but she was reading the book of James, and she saw that was there. And they decided they'd call all the people there, the workers that were Christians, and they got con- and they saw that confessing your faults. So they started doing that, and they started confessing their their, you know, anger, their attitudes, or bitterness and actions, and they forgot to pray for her healing, and she was healed anyway. Amen. And, and that is the truth. And to make a long story short, short in this Shantung Revival, it's one of the greatest stories you'll ever read. Uh, that <clears throat> amplified, and it, it just covered. And this was before the communist takeover, and this was the root that would spring up to for China having more Christians today than any nation. And it's wow. through the underground church. And right. the gospel's powerful no matter when, where, or how, Nathan. That's right. And, and it works. Uh, you know, I love an unhindered gospel because you send missionaries out that way. But the gospel will work anywhere, anytime, even in a crisis pregnancy center. And, yeah. and Danette, you work with girls that have chosen to keep their child, and now they're preparing for parenthood. And, and that's what you do. And you get close to these girls in an eight-week study. You do this. Mm-hmm. And and you said you open it up and you or in an earlier program you said you don't apologize but you tell them this is going to be from the Bible, and you develop twenty six principles or statements concerning parenthood. Uh, wow, would you mind going over? <laughs> you know, we don't want you to tell the lesson, but give us a little bit of a hint what what that means. Okay. Well, the first thing I tell the girls is that my husband and I. We're not perfect parents. It's just that we made so many mistakes by not following God's principles that now I can tell them what not to do. Is that one? There's 26. And <laughs> <laughs> well, no, if it was based on what Alan and I did, we'd probably need about 56. But um, one of the things that from the very beginning, um, my first one with the letter A is to accept your child as a gift from God. And, you know, I tell them that 
the way their child was conceived may not have been according to God's plan, um, according to the way he designed children to come into the world. Um, It may not have been the best time with their finances or their education, but this did not catch God by surprise. And I want them to know that the child that they are carrying, they have no idea what God's plan is for that child, but that they as a parent are to be a part of that plan in helping that child. Um, We go through, I mean, so many things we discuss, communication, how to talk to your children, uh, you know, because communication so often is not in families, whether, um, you know, it's not always handled properly. And um, we talk about discipline. And, of course, that takes up a huge part of our um, our time because discipline is so needed in our culture today. And a one-parent family discipline, mm-hmm. listen, uh, there's no break. I mean, mm-hmm. used to, and this is about Nathan and his two brothers, mm-hmm. uh, Jan was a stay-at-home mom. She, uh, she is a teacher. And they said, what would you do at your teaching? She says, I went into child development. And <laughs> and it's a pretty good job, big yeah. job. Those three sons are ha- are kind of hyper like their dad, so it made it difficult. Made it overtime. Overtime. So Jen would have them all day, and I'd come in, you know, at the end of the day, and she'd say, it sure turned sure. now. And for the single single mom or single dad, yeah. in some cases, where, you know, yeah. it's there all the time. So yeah. it is that discipline. It's horrible. <laughs> Stay right there, and I want to turn to Ann. Ann, in what you do, uh, the ladies have had the abortion, and they've come to the place in their life where hopefully conviction has taken over guilt. You know, we talked in the earlier program, guilt comes from people. Conviction comes from God. Now, you can have guilt from your own conscience, but God's God's conviction is not pressing down on you. It is, it's in that passage of Scripture that you read from Ephesians, his light shining on it. So tell us a little bit about what you do and in, in what you're doing in helping these ladies. I would say, <clears throat> excuse me, that when they come in, typically um, it is a mixture. They are experiencing guilt. They are experiencing conviction. They're experiencing a combination of both. And a lot of what we do through the process is helping them get to a place of only experiencing the conviction, letting this be this um, linear relationship with the Lord and Letting, allowing that to be um, the relationship that matters and expelling the opinions <clears throat> and views of anyone else. This is between you and God. Um, so having said that, we usually start with um, having them look at what some of the post-abortion trauma symptoms are. And many times women do not realize how The effects of that abortion are intertwined into every aspect of their lives. And when they begin to see that, um, that just kind of opens up the door for them to be able to receive the healing that God has for them. Um, So that's the first step. And once um, it's kind of like the doors of their hearts are opened up. And so the next step uh, beyond that is to face the truth. Um, And I would say that is maybe the hardest session that we do. We actually have um, the women, um, you know, look at some images, look at some videos. um, And we try to, you know, it's different for each woman what she's ready to see at that point. 
Um, but, you know, there is so much available out there. So we kind of um, give them a peek into some of those things and say, if, if you um, are ready to, to see beyond what we've shown you today, then it's out there. It's available to you. Um, so facing that truth um, is a big part of, um, you know, confession. We have to face the truth. We have to confess what we've, we've got to face what we have done in order to be able to confess what we've done, you know, because um, not just women who have had abortions, but we all do this. We lie to ourselves, yeah. you know. And for many of these women, it's been the majority of women who come to a post-abortion recovery class have been, it's been years since their abortions. It's been 10 years. It's been 20 years. It's been 30 years. It's been 40 years even, you know. So it's been a, a very long process that, that leads up to that. Yeah, um, it's interesting to hear you talk about that and even, Danette, that uh, you're both dealing with uh, young ladies who uh, you're trying to get to a point, you're facilitating them to a point where they can own their own reality right. of here's my situation, here's where I've been, here's where I'm at, um, this is this is me, this is this is um, what I've done, this is mm-hmm. where I'm at. Um, and that, I think, you know, my wife actually worked in this uh, field for several years, and that was a difficult thing mm-hmm. for many young ladies to come to that point of facing the facts, you know, mm-hmm. and Sometimes they're brutal facts there, yeah. and and we 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 like to lie to ourselves, and not to steer the conversation away. I just want to throw this in, and many times I've noticed in the church when we're talking about mission work, um, and we try to mobilize the church to getting get involved in what God's doing, in whatever capacity, um, and we even talk about the Great Commission in Matthew twenty-eight or the passages where Jesus is calling out the church to. Uh, to make disciples and to be on mission, most of the church don't own the Great Commission for themselves. They don't see that as a reality that applies to them. Uh, they they might see it as, oh, that applies to a few missionaries or a few special people, but that's not for me. And I think that's the hardest job you in know, missions is to get people yeah, to amen. accept that as the reality of this is God's kingdom. This is what God's called you to do. The Great Commission and in Acts one eight was given to the multitude not to the 12th, yeah. you know, and, and it is true. And you you ladies have found out that you can help carry out the missional program of God through first. Sounds like a relationships are really important in both of what you do. Absolutely. And, Danette, you yeah. said in an earlier program how you and your husband, Alan, care for them, love on them, try to break down those barriers that that they probably come in with themselves and thinking condemnation and everything. They hope it's not, but those bears are broken out. That's true in all relationships. And tell us a little bit about that and then one or two more of the things you try to Well, I have to admire these young girls that come in because they have no idea who Mm -hmm. they're coming in to. So number one, that tells me that they are desiring something better. Mm -hmm. Uh, So many of them come from homes where – the mother and the dad are not really present. Um, we got a lot of single-family homes. Some of them are being raised by grandmothers. And so that they just have so many issues that they have to deal with and then to come in and be pregnant on top of that. And the one thing that I love doing in this class is I, they all have my cell phone number so that they can call me and I tell them my cell phone works 24-7. 
And I have had some who've called me at 2 o'clock in the morning while they're in labor saying... Welcome to the pastorate. (laughs) (laughs) They're saying, please pray for me. Um, Now, just kind of a funny story. Um, We have a nurse that comes in, and we talk about natural delivery and, um, you know, having the epidural. And I had one young mother who was bound and determined she was going to go natural, and I'm all for that because that's what I did. But I, I don't push that. But anyway... Her husband calls me like at 2 o'clock in the morning going, um, she doesn't want to do natural anymore. She wants to have an epidural. Will you help me talk her out of having an epidural? I'm like, no, you're talking to the wrong person. If she wants to have an epidural, you let her have that epidural. So you're I tell listening her, to Exploring Missions and, and and not on having children here. Okay, go ahead, Danette. But anyway, um, one of the things that I do love doing is um, having them send me pictures of their babies when they're born. And it is just absolutely a joyous day for me because we can pray that, God, you brought this child safely into the world and you use this child for your honor and glory. So that first thing you teach them has gotten across, right? Tell us something else that that, that you conveyed to them. Well, uh, one of my eyes is, uh, uh, my eye in the alphabet is instill a genuine faith in Jesus Christ. And I go through practical steps to help them um, learn how to do that. Of course, this is a great opportunity to remind them, if you have not had that relationship with Jesus Christ, then you need to um, talk with someone about doing that. Um, I talk about ways how to encourage their children. I give them, hopefully, some practical steps on how to encourage. Um, I also talk to them. I'll jump all the way to Z about zealously guarding their time because you know as a father of three boys and sports how quickly – that can take over. Yeah, your my life. wife was saying time out, and I said, "No, let's do it all." And uh, it's it's difficult time management. Mm-hmm. Years ago, Dr. James Dobson uh, he he put out some things that were difficult about parenting, and one of them was fatigue and time pressure. And I remember in that back then it was cassette tapes, and that was a long time ago. <laughs> I remember that. But, but on that cassette tape, uh, he talked about how difficult that is for two parents, how much it is multiplied for single parents, fatigue and time pressure. You're just exhausted beyond measure, and it's difficult. One more thing, and and Ann, I want you to tell a little bit more about Mm -hmm. what you teach, and then I want to come back with you ladies doing that through difficult times of your own. I I know both of you enough to know that while you've been ministering to these others, you yourself had to deal with situations that you were going through. Now, we don't want to know those situations, but we want to know how that works. When you go, as pastor, I knew that. I knew how it was to go to the pulpit or go talk to someone when back home, uh, you, you, you really... How am I going to do this? So we want to talk about that next. So that that's a teaser for those that want to stay with us. But tell us, before we do that, tell us something else that's in your that you want to convey to the ladies that are in your class. Well, I'm really glad you're giving me the opportunity to continue because I didn't want to leave at looking at the truth and, you know, open up these doors and and what do we leave you with? Uh, Because that's just, um, you know, opening up the truth to see, to admit, hey, this is what I did. Um, And often when we do that, um, that brings anger to the surface as well. Um, anger against ourselves, anger against others who had um, who played a part in that abortion, um, 
And one of the things that I've realized, I think I don't know if it's because we live in the South and everybody's nice. Um, <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> we nice. live in the South and everybody's nice. Sometimes I actually have to help women be angry. You know, the scripture says that we are are to be angry and sin not. Um, but in order to get to the next step, which is pursuing forgiveness, uh, we have to allow ourselves to be angry. I mean, sometimes these women tell their stories and, you know, they're telling about this person in their life who did this and played this part in the abortion and, and how they treated them. And, you know, I'll ask, are you not angry at that person? Are you not angry? And they're like just out of touch. Um, it's a really high percentage of women who have had abortions that um and I can say we, you know, the way th- that we deal with that, and it's like over 90% of women numb their emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, some women do that through, you know, drugs and alcohol and things like that. And some people don't. Some people are just able able to do it. Um, so that's a part of that process is coming to terms with your anger, you know. Um, and once we do that, then the next step is, okay, yeah, you are angry. You should be angry. Uh, the next step is forgiveness. So we have to admit that that anger is there. We have to admit there's an injustice there in order to go to the next step, which is forgiveness. Amen. I want to do this because we have people who are listening, and uh, they need to be on mission for God. They are on mission. Uh, you remember what it says, Nathan, in Acts one eight: you shall be witnesses. Now, it didn't say good or bad. You shall be witnesses. Yeah. We, we want people to be good witnesses Amen. of the grace of God that he's bestowed upon us. And, and what I want to do, people use it. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. <clears throat> if, if we didn't do anything because of what we're going through, nothing would ever get done. Yeah. I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience in my own life. Uh, I'd have quit a long time ago if yeah. that were the case. Yeah. And I know you ladies, Danette, uh, there, are, there may be time for a respite or a, a sabbatical. I understand that, and I believe in them. I, I, yeah. I want you to know. But that's not to get out of the ministry. It's just uh, re- Jesus would rest a while. Yeah. But tell us what it's like to continue teaching through the difficult times. Well, the past four years have been some difficult times for our family, and won't go into all the details. But I will say something about we, four years ago we have a— a grandson who's turning four, um, was born at the med in Memphis, had to go to Lebanon, has got some health issues, and uh, we left the hospital with the doctor saying, you just got to get him through his first year of life. Um, And here I'm going and talking to these young mothers, and they're having healthy babies, and we're dealing with this, but God was gracious. We've been through some relationship issues. We've been through some health issues with my husband. But the one thing that got me through all of this was in um, John chapter 6, verse 66. Um, Things were getting real tough for the disciples. And I'm not just talking the 12, but others that had followed Jesus. And at that time, a lot of the disciples were leaving Jesus. And he turned to the 12 and he said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, no, Lord. To whom shall we go? You have the words of life. And because God has given me those words of life, and my eternity is secure, and I want to do everything I do through eternal eyes, what's going to have eternal value? And I may never know 
what value I will have in these classes with these girls because we have eight weeks and and we may stay a little bit in touch with some of them. But my one great desire is to be in heaven and maybe one of those little children that was born in my class has come to know the Lord because their mother came to this class. And, um, I mean, where else would we go in difficult times except to the Lord? Amen. Yeah. And? Well, <clears throat> I'm just, since you asked posed that question, I'm just kind of looking over the last few years. And I guess in, in ministry, you know, we need to be prepared because Satan is always going to be attacking. He's, he's always, if, if you are active in ministry, Satan is going to be attacking. Well, you're going the opposite <laughs> way of way he's going. Right, so it, right. You, you're going to leading yeah. others. To, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And at the same time, even through those attacks, you know, God desires to use those to, to sanctify us. Um, but I, I can look at two particular situations over the last 10 years or so that were very, very difficult. And one of them um, during that time, I would say, you know, just thinking back to that period of time and when I was ministering to these women going through that situation, it was almost as if the opportunity to serve those women served as a respite from the situation that was in my personal life. It was almost as if it was food for me you know, spiritual food for me and serving those other women. And in the other situation, um, it was a situation you're familiar with, Brother Bert, that was um, concerning our son, and it was a very difficult situation. And and, in that particular uh, period of time, the Lord actually kind of removed me, not in a way that was, um, you know, like he spoke to me from heaven, stop doing post-abortion ministry. It's just nobody was coming to me for that period of time. It was, you know, God is sovereign. And he, and he said, okay, and I want you to focus on your son. Your son needs you right now. And so he orchestrated the events in such a way that, that he prioritized my life for me. Amen. God does all things well, Nathan. Amen. And, uh, we know God, if, if, if you are on mission for God, there's going to be obstacles. They really are. And you may even have to change direction of that ministry. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I pastored for 38 years full time, didn't know anything, any life but that. And then the Lord brought me to American Family Radio. And it's a, it's a different world, similar. But God, God doesn't waste anything, does he? No, he doesn't waste anything. And he's always, you're always in uh, preparation mode for the next thing. <laughs> what's which, next guy yeah which gets scary sometimes because you think if i've been through all this what's next you know but um but eventually what's next is 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 that eternal rest that that real rest and Amen. and we get we get glimpses of it hopefully on a regular basis even in ministry we have to kind of pace ourselves we have to uh come aside we have to you know take a sabbath on a weekly basis and um, it's real easy to get away from that, uh, especially. I know all of us here. We that's that's probably a very strong temptation is to keep working and keep working through it. But um, you know, God puts us in different seasons and in different places and even in different ministries. It's ultimately for His glory and it's going to be for our good, even even in those difficult times. I'm glad God takes all things and works them for good. Amen. And Amen. the good is to be conformed to His image. Amen. That's what's good. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions. Ladies, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having us. 
It's we, a pleasure. Amen. We appreciate you listening. Tell someone about this program and uh, tell them to listen. They may get an idea of how they can be on mission with the Lord Jesus Christ.